0: The book of Ruth, chapter 1, and commencing our reading at the fifth verse of the chapter. And Malon and Killian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they said unto her, "Surely we will return with thee unto thy people." And Naomi said, "Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them?" till they were grown. Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Ending our reading there at the end of the chapter, we'll bow very briefly in a word of prayer. Lord, we pray thou wilt bless us now as we turn to thy word. Fill me with thy spirit. Breathe out thy spirit upon us. O God, speak, and help us to listen. Help us to learn from thy word. Help us to rejoice in it, as those who have found great spoil. And may the hand of God rest upon us in a real way, for Christ's sake. Amen. I want us to think about Daome in our service tonight. I want to concentrate upon her. There's different characters that you can pick out from the book of Ruth. Uh, Last week, we were looking at Elimelech, the man who failed to live up to his name. Tonight we're going to think about his wife, Naomi. I I hesitate uh, to call her a backslider. We can use her as a picture uh, of what it's like for a backslider, but I do hesitate to say that she was a backslider. There are some key verses uh, that we have read. Verse 6 is a key verse. She arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return uh, from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. And then in verse 13, uh, towards the end of the verse, she says, It grieveth me much for your sakes, that's the sakes of her daughters-in-law, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And then verses 20 and 21, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me, I went out full, she says, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, saying the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me? She had gone down into Moab with her husband Elimelech and perhaps they had gone, as I indicated to you last week, out of concern for their two sons. I remind you that malon means sickness, And Kilian means consumption. And it appears that the sons were sickly young men. And because there was a famine uh, in Bethlehem and in parts of Israel, if not in the whole land, uh, then they considered it wise to move from Bethlehem instead of going to another part of Israel or to some other place, they decided to go to Moab. How sad that was because Moab, Uh, was a country of idolatry where children were sacrificed uh, to a heathen God and uh, loud music was played as the children were dropped into the furnace beneath. How terrible that that should have taken place. And if we think of Naomi uh, as a type of backslider, uh, then uh, we can see uh, what backsliding does to us. And we can see that there's a route out of backsliding, uh, whether it be uh, backsliding in heart, for there is such a thing, and we all backslide in heart, uh, more or less, or open backsliding, when someone falls into disgrace and gets right away from the Lord. Now, there's a difference between a backslider and an unsaved person. They may appear to act in the very same way, but there is. A different difference because there is life in the soul of a backslider. Uh, Some years ago, when we were in London, uh, one of the men out of our church was very ill in Whip's Cross Hospital in the city, and that man uh, was in a ward with another man uh, who appeared to die, and they took him off to the mortuary. One of the mortuary attendants thought. They saw a little flicker, I think it was of an eyelid, and they came with a mirror, held it in front of the man 's nose, and uh, there was some vapor then on the mirror and they realized and it 's an astonishing thing, we might say in this day and age, but they realized that the man who had been pronounced dead wasn 't actually dead and He was brought out of the mortuary. He came around. He he lost some extremities, uh, perhaps some toes or fingers. But he was well enough, and this is amazing, he was well enough subsequently to go to his daughter's wedding. So there was life there. There didn't appear to be life there. And obviously the doctor was satisfied that the man was dead. You look at a backslider in some instances, And you think, is that person saved? Did they make a false profession? uh, Or were they never truly saved? So uh, there's a difference uh, between Naomi, if we think of her as a picture of the backslider, and the unbeliever. The first thing that I want you to think about in connection with Naomi is that she was severely chastened. Uh, The Bible does tell us that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. That's tough because the Lord can chasten us gently. He can chasten us severely. He always chastens in love. Never chastens his children in hatred. Because he loves us, he chastens us. Because we've gone astray. And one very commendable thing about Naomi In the midst of this chastening, she never blamed anybody else. Notice how she speaks about herself. It grieveth me much for your sake, she says to her daughters and law, that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. Later on, when the women were speaking about her, when she came back to Bethlehem and were asking the question, is this Naomi? She says, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For she says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. And she says, why then call ye me Naomi, saying the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Now, you might say, there's a concentration on self. The first person singular is referred to, and she's referring to herself. Very often, When people are talking about themselves, they do so in a self-justifying way or in a self-pitying way or in a selfish way. We might think of Jacob. Jacob says, Me, have ye bereaved of my children? Uh, Jacob is not and Simeon is not. And ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. And he's full of self-pity. He's feeling very sorry for himself. You find the same In 1 Samuel 27 and verse 1, only David, a young man, uses uh, the first person pronoun uh, even more times than Jacob does, twice as often. And then you find Martha. She says, uh, uh, you know, my sister has left me. Do you not care, Lord? My sister has left me to serve alone. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So it's all focused on self and self-pity. And I care for myself. But in the case of Naomi, it's not like that. Naomi says, uh, I went out full. The Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why call me uh, Naomi? Call me Mara. And she seems to me uh, to be taking all the blame to herself. She doesn't say, Elimelech was my husband. He was the one who made the ultimate decision. I looked up to him, and he made that decision that we should go to Moab. I, as a good wife, followed his direction. It's not really my fault. She doesn't say that. Perhaps she was thinking, well, I should have prayed more when the famine came. I should have prayed more for our sons. I should have sought to influence my husband more. And perhaps she's thinking, I was the one who raised the matter of the illness of our boys and how our boys might not survive in a famine. So she takes, in this regard, all the blame to herself. And that's always a wise thing. Never cast about for someone to blame when you go astray. Very easy. To find a scapegoat and blame someone else for your own failings. I like the motto that President Truman placed upon his desk. It simply said, the buck stops here. He could blame his Secretary of State. He could blame some of his envoys. He could blame some of those who were working for him. But no, he said, whatever goes wrong in this administration, the blame ultimately is mine. I am the president. I am responsible for appointing those people. If they do wrong, even though they will bear their share of the wrong that they do, ultimately, I am the one that is to blame. And here is this woman, that she's severely chastened, but she does not she does not blame her husband. She does not blame the what we might call the extenuating circumstances of her children's illness. She says, I have I have suffered. Uh, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And so I admire her. I admire her for her courage. I admire her for her willingness. To take the blame onto herself. And uh, chastening is not easy to take. It is not easy to take. It takes different forms. In extreme cases, it may lead to what we might call premature death. It can take the form of bodily affliction. It may take the form of mental affliction. It may affect our family as it affected the family of David, it may cause frustration after frustration and general unhappiness for her. But then we remember, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Here is Naomi, and I say to you, let's admire her. Let's admire her for her selflessness, for her willingness to take blame to herself when all the blame most certainly does not attach to her. Admire her for her love for her husband. There's not a word of reproach. Admire her for her care for her daughters-in-law, how she commends them and says, the Lord deal kindly and truly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Admire her for her care for those daughters-in-law when she says, it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. But the second thing that I want us to notice is that in the midst of all her trials and troubles Naomi still had an interest in the things of God and what was happening amongst the people of God. You see that very clearly because after her husband has died and her sons have died she hears of what has happened at Bethlehem. And what does she hear? How that the Lord has visited his people in giving them bread. You see, she had an ear. She was listening, and listening very carefully. We were thinking this morning of the voice of the Lord in the Song of Solomon. And the backslider will always, uh, always have an ear for the voice of God, no matter how far he or she gets away from the Lord. Jonah could never get away from the presence of God. He arose to flee from the presence of God, but he couldn't get away. God speaks again and again to uh, those who have got away from him, and they never lose their consciousness of the Lord, never truly lose their consciousness of the Lord. I I could go through verse after verse in this chapter And you will see Naomi is conscious of the Lord. Even though uh, things were difficult for her, even though she lost her sons and lost her husband, even though her sons married heathen wives, one of them I know got saved, yet she thought of the Lord. And and it's, it's interesting as well that when Ruth made her declaration of loyalty to the Lord, she uses the word Jehovah. Where did she learn about Jehovah? She learned it, no doubt, from Naomi. Naomi could have told her, and did tell her, I'm sure, all about the Lord. He created the heavens and the earth. And she told her about man falling into sin in the Garden of Eden, being driven out of the Garden of Eden, she told about the choice of Abraham when he was an idolater in the land of, uh, or in the city of Ur. And she told her of how God led Abraham to the promised land, and how then uh, the children of Israel went down into Egypt in the time of Joseph. And after 400 years of affliction, God raised up Moses, the judgments upon Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea. The wilderness journey for 40 years. And then the passage of the Jordan. The city of Jericho being taken. Then the city of Ai after a setback. And she she made her daughters-in-law aware of God. Because she herself was aware of God. You see, what we have to say is this. The root, the root of the matter was in her. Uh, Job said to his friends who were accusing him of being a hypocrite, you should be saying, why persecute we him? Seeing the root of the matter is in him. And it's a great thing uh, when the root of the matter is in a person and that comes out. Uh, that There are tests often that, that show what side of the line Uh, we we are on. Whether on the side of the Lord truly or unsaved. Uh, Let me give you a few examples from the scripture. You think of the two women in Solomon's time. Two fallen women. They're called harlots. and One of those women accidentally lay on top of her baby and smothered him. And to her horror, when she awoke in the morning she saw her son was dead. That would have been heartbreaking. But then she, she did an awful thing because she noticed that her colleague was sleeping. Her partner in crime was fast asleep. And she slipped over to her and she slipped out the living child from beside her colleague's colleague and she sat in beside her friend, and we have to put that in inverted commas, she sat in beside her friend, her own dead child. Soon as her friend awoke in the morning, she looked, and what did she see? Oh, my child. My child is dead. But then she looked more closely, and she realized, that's not my child. that's, That's her child. And she has stolen my child. And she made an appeal. And I don't know how it got to Solomon. Because after all, these are two harlots. You don't expect them to have immediate access to the king. But somehow or other, they got access to Solomon. And one, there must have been quite a squabble going on. One was saying, it's my child. The living child is mine. The dead child's yours. You smothered your child. You lay on your child. And Of course, accusation, counter-accusation was made. And Solomon said, bring me a sword. And when the sword was provided, he said, cut the living child in two. And give one half to that woman and one half to that woman. The woman who was not the mother of the child, she didn't have a flesh and blood attachment to the child. And so she said, That's fair. That's fair. She was able to bear a child being cut in two and receiving half of that child and the other half being given to her erstwhile friend. If that had been her child, there is no way she would have agreed to have the child cut in two. But the other woman, because it was her flesh and blood, because she cared for that child. She said, no, no. She said, give her the living child. Do not cut the child in two. And Solomon immediately realized the living child, the living child belongs to that woman. Give her the child. The dead child is the child of the woman who was happy to see the living child cut in two. You see, the instincts, the, the nature of the mother was such She had an attachment to that child. You might say, in that sense, the root of the matter was in her. And you see it here in Naomi. The root of the matter is in her. Yes, uh, they've gone astray. Yes, they've gone to Moab. It's an idolatrous country. Yes, they have stayed longer than they intended. Yes, her husband will never return from it. And 3,000 years later, as I pointed out to you last week, he's still there. But for Naomi, there's still an interest in the Lord. No matter how difficult life has been, no matter how much she feels she has failed, yet she has that attachment to the Lord. And it always comes out. It came out in those two women, that that living attachment. And it came out when David failed. And he went and joined himself to the king of Gath. And The king of Gath was going to make him the keeper of his head. He was going to make him his bodyguard. And then there blew up a war between Israel and the Philistines. And you know what happened? David was recruited by the king of the Philistines. And he said, you'll come out with me and you will fight with us against the Israelites. David prevaricated he didn't want to say, yes, I will. And he said, thou knowest what thy servant uh, can't do. A very misleading answer. And David was almost, almost recruited to fight against his own people. It was totally against his desires because he loved his people and he loved the Lord of his people. But the princes of the Philistines They weren't happy. And they rightly judged the situation. They said, look what's going to happen. How will David be reconciled to his master? He'll be reconciled by fighting against us. He'll turn against us. When the battle starts, he will turn and he will fight against the Philistines. He'll not fight against Israel. They knew. Shrewd men as they were. Ungodly men as they were. They knew where David's heart lay. And so they said, He'll fight against us. He'll not fight against the Israelites. But When push comes to shove, as we say, what's really in us comes forth. And in Job's heart, the root of the matter was there. They're saying to Job, You're a hypocrite. And Job says, I'm no hypocrite. The root of the matter is in me. You're persecuting a child of God. You're doing wrong. And I come back to Naomi. Yes, the root of the matter was in Naomi. And you can test yourself in another way. When you fail, are you happy? Or are you unhappy? Job, uh, Job had the root of the matter in him. And then another man that had the root of the matter in him was Lot. Lot did great wrong by going to Sodom. But you might look at him and you might say, Was Lot a child of God? In fact, if you would only the Old Testament, you would say, Lot, Lot was never saved. And Lot today is in hell. Because the last we read of him, he has fallen into sin with his own daughters he hasn't escaped fully uh, uh, from the contamination of Sodom he was selfish he lost everything but the last we find him drunk and falling into sin with his daughters and you say well lot wasn't saved but then you come to the new testament and you come to second peter chapter 2 and you find him described as just just lot And that word just is righteous. And it says that righteous man in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the ungodly deeds of the people of Sodom. So here is a man and how do you discern what's in him? You discern it by his deep unhappiness. The the deeds and the words of the men of Sodom, appalled Lot. He was absolutely appalled. And the word that's used for vexed in its noun form is found in Luke chapter 16 where the rich man in hell lifts up his eyes being in torments. i said it before and I will say it again. If there's any person that experiences hell on earth, that person is a backslider. People talk about hell and earth. They don't know what they're talking about. But if there's any person that experiences hell and earth, it's a backslider. You see, when you backslide, you lose the comfort of your salvation. You lose the comfort and the joy of the presence of the Lord. And then on the other side, you can't enjoy the world. You can't enjoy it. You're spoiled for that. You have a new nature. That new nature delights in holiness. And there's no pleasure anymore. You might get a fleeting joy out of it, but there's no lasting pleasure. There's no lasting pleasure. And in Jeremiah chapter 2, the Lord says, My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me. The fount of living waters And they've hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. You're spoilt. You're spoilt for this world. And you've no peace, no joy, no assurance regarding the world to come. And here is Naomi. She's not settled in Moab. She's interested in what's happening in in her own home city. She wants to find out and perhaps some news reaches her. I believe that there's food again in Bethlehem and she can stay no longer and she came to a conclusion. She arises with her daughters-in-law that she might return to Bethlehem because the Lord has visited Bethlehem. There's bread in Bethlehem. There's bread in Moab. But she doesn't want to be in Moab. Her heart doesn't lie there. Her heart lies amongst the people of God. Now she knew that going back would be humiliating. It's going to be a hard road. It's going to be a very lonely road. And she possibly expected that she would be going back entirely by herself. She may not have envisaged that either Ruth or Orpah would go back with her. So she's quite prepared to take that lonely path all by herself. And, and it is hard when a person backslides to return. Very difficult. Sometimes when a person backslides, they're very difficult to get to church. Very difficult because they have a fear. If I come and I hear the gospel... Please sympathize with them. But they're thinking, if I come and I hear the gospel, it's going to make an impact on me. And I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to have to come down on the side of the Lord. And I'm I'm going to have to own up to my shame and to the wrong that I've done and the hurt that I've caused. And perhaps, perhaps they think, With all of that, I may not find acceptance. The Lord may wash his hands of me. He may say to me, in some way or other, I'm finished with you. And there I am. No joy in this life. No joy for eternity. No assurance that I'm saved. It's a hard road to go back. It's a humiliating road. When Naomi would come back in her mind, that people would probably be be contemptuous of her. Huh. You left. You left. We stayed. You left. You left us to face the hardship. You weren't willing to share our hardship. You left. And we had to go through all the trials of the famine. Maybe they could say to her, We lost our children. And we lost our old people. But off you went. Off you went to feast in Moab along with her husband. And they might say to her, you lost your husband in spite of that. You lost your sons in spite of that. Just to face all of that. And how tough that road was going to be. And then she would know as well, she has suffered so much that it, it, it would show in her very appearance. And we find at the end of the chapter, that the people were saying, and it's in the feminine gender, in the original, so it's the women. And they weren't unkind in what they asked. They, they, they had some feeling for Naomi. And they asked the question, is this Naomi? She's just been away 10 years. When she left, I believe she was a young woman. Why do I say that? Because her sons were still unmarried. And in those days... Uh, people tended to marry, some of them very young. So those boys would have married uh, when they were young. So they went away perhaps as teenagers. So what age is their mother? Probably in her 30s. Ten years later, and I'm supposing this and speculating somewhat, ten years later, perhaps she's in her 40s. And if you looked at her, she's scarcely recognisable. Sorrow is etched upon her countenance. She's a broken woman. And she, she feels the bitterness of her position. They say, is this Naomi? And she says, no, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. I left here a young woman. I left here with a young family. I left here with my husband. And now I'm coming back. An aged, prematurely aged woman, a broken woman. Called me Mara, which means bitter. For, she says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Oh, what a tragedy. Here is this woman coming back to sorrow and coming back, we might say, to shame. It's difficult when you get away from the Lord. I, I say it to myself. And I say to you, let's stay close to the Lord. Let's never be presumptuous. The Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We might say, well, I'd never do that. I'd never fall the way that David fell. I'd never fall the way that Peter fell. I would never deny the Lord. I'd never... bring a curse upon myself and say, though all men deny thee, I'll never deny thee, and then turn around and do it and swear that I don't even know the man. I would never do that. We might say, Peter did it. Peter did it. Even though he was perfectly confident that he wouldn't do it. And if you had spoken to young David after he slew Goliath and after he had conducted himself very wisely... In the presence of Saul. And very wisely when he was going out as a leader in the army uh, against Saul's foes. And after he became king uh, and had such uh, holy desires to rule over his people. After he had composed those beautiful psalms, arranged the worship uh, in the tabernacle. Uh, and composed the, uh, the, the singing. Uh, and after he had regulated the government and given good government to the nation. And after he had looked out for any of the house of Saul and had brought Mephibosheth to his own table and said, you'll eat here as one of the king's sons, he had said to David, you know what you're going to do, David? You're going to fail. You're going to lust after another man's wife. You're going to take her. You're going to commit adultery with her. And then to cover your deed, you'll seek to... Pass off the child that is expected on her husband. And when that doesn't work, you're going to order his death. You're going to be guilty of his murder. David would have started back in horror. And he would have said, as Haziel said, What? Is I servant a dog that he should do this great thing? David would have, would have been startled. Could I, could I do that? After all the Lord has done for me, after the joy I found in the Lord, after the Lord has carried me through all those difficult experiences when Saul hunted me, do you think I could do that? That I could betray the Lord and betray my fellow man in that way? But he did it. So, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We might not fall to adultery. We may not fall to murder. We may not fall into drunkenness. And so on. But we can fall. We can get away from the Lord, even if it's not outwardly. We can get away in our hearts and become cold and careless, and that's a great crime. And the Lord has loved us so much. That's a great crime against the Lord. And when our hearts are cold, then we're not really showing any love for our neighbour, we're not praying for the salvation of souls. And and little things will creep in. And people will look at us and say, if he's a Christian, he's so miserable. He cares so little. He's just as selfish. and He's just as worldly as we are. Why should I want to be a Christian? For I'm as good as he is. I'm as good as she is. Yes. Backsliding makes its mark. It takes its toll upon us. But one thing it cannot do, if we're really saved, it cannot stop us having that real inward desire. That unhappiness, that unhappiness, such as Lot felt, but maybe not to the same degree, but it's unhappy that we feel, And we begin to think, what is the point of life? What is the point? It's like being on a treadmill. Uh, We're gaining no ground. We're like Samson going round and round in circles uh, when he was taken a prisoner by the Philistines. And here is Naomi. She's lost so much. She's a shattered woman, a broken woman. But the root of the matter is in her. And she speaks about the Lord because she can't keep away from speaking about the Lord. She can't keep away from thinking about the Lord. And then she hears, there's bread in Bethlehem. And her heart yearns, I must go back. In spite of the shame, in spite of the hardship of the way, in spite of the loneliness that I will feel, I must go back. And we think of her return journey. Uh, on the way, she stops her daughters, or daughters-in-law, and says, you go back. You go back, I'll go on on my own. And she describes her sadness that she doesn't have any more sons. She, uh, she says to them, look, if I were to marry uh, and have sons, uh, w- would you wait for them? Would you wait for them? No, she says. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And Orpah, she kisses her mother-in-law with tears in her eyes, weeping. And she goes back. And now there's just one person left. Just one person left. And she says to Ruth, and I don't believe she wanted Ruth to go back. But she wanted her to come with her sole allegiance to be to the Lord. She says, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return thou after, thy sister-in-law. You go back to Ruth. And Ruth speaks those noble words. Entreat me not, or beg me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God, where thou diest, there will I die, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death, part thee and me. Ah." She's steadfastly minded. She really, really has grasped it. She has really come to know the Lord. And in coming back, in coming back, Naomi brings a new convert with her. How beautiful is that? When we give ourselves completely to the Lord, we see the Lord beginning to work. And though the women are saying, is this Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Deep down, there's a restoration of peace. And there's an intimation of good as well. Because it says in verse 22, So Naomi returned. Isn't that good? So Naomi returned. And Ruth. And Ruth. She has a convert with her. The Moabites, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem. In the beginning of barley harvest. Well, the barley harvest was the first of the two great harvests in the year. It began about the middle of April, continued to the middle of May, and then the wheat harvest, it followed from about the middle of May to the middle or maybe towards the end of June. An indication that things had changed, that they weren't going to starve, that the Lord was going to provide for them. Remember the prodigal, when he came home, the Bible says, after saying he began to be in want in the far country, when he comes back, they began to be merry. Giving ourselves fully to the Lord. It's the beginning of peace. It's the beginning of joy. It's the beginning of soul contentment, and it blossoms out from here on, because Ruth finds a husband, and uh, the first child will be considered uh, under the Levitical rules that God had imposed. The first child will be considered uh, the successor, the heir, in a sense the child of Malon. And Naomi will be considered the grandmother of that child. And she'll take that child upon her knees Uh, nurse that child, and I know you have a different construction of nurse. Uh, To us, nursing a child is just holding the child in your arms or sitting down with the child on your knee. She'll have that child on her knee. She'll wrap her arms around that child. And the women, they congratulated her. And she says, this child will be a nourisher of your old age. This child will bring you much happiness. And that child was the great-grandfather of David. And that child was an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh. When we return, Christ welcomes us with open arms. He cares for us. He loves us. I say to you, how good is the God we adore. Our faithful unchangeable friend whose love is as great as his power and knows neither measure nor end. Tis Jesus, the first and the last, his spirit shall guide us safe home. We praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that's to come. Let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we pray that thou would bless us We thank you, Lord, for the warnings that there are in the life of Naomi. We thank you, Lord, for her willingness to take what we might think as her share of blame, her unwillingness to put any blame on anybody else, not blaming circumstances, not blaming the famine, not blaming her husband, but taking her own share of the blame. And Lord, we know that when we go astray, the only person we can point the finger at is ourselves. And Lord, we don't want to go astray. We want to go in the right direction. We don't want to be presumptuous. But Lord, we want to go straight on. We want, as it were, to run into the arms of the Almighty and to taste and see day by day that the Lord is good. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have failed, wherein we have backslidden, and it has happened too often. Forgive us, Lord, for our backsliding and help us to walk in the very center of thy will. Help me to walk in the center of thy will. Help thy people uh, to walk in the center of thy will. Bless this congregation and separate us now in thy fear and with thy love and thy blessing. Hear and answer prayer.